0: This week in the parish of bourses and market structure, Betfair turns 21, Hong Kong exchanges turn 21 too, and push for greater diversity. My name is Patrick L. Young. Welcome to the Bourse Business Weekly Digest. It's the Exchange Invest Weekly Podcast, episode 99. Good day, ladies and gentlemen. This is a very brief reduction of highlights amongst the key headlines from the events in market structure. All of the analysis from the week's many events and happenings can be found in Exchange Invest's daily subscriber newsletter, the unique guide to the bourse business sent daily to your inbox. More details at exchangeinvest.com. This was the week when Coinbase celebrated T-plus 60, and the end result is they're half the company they used to be. Coinbase burst forth top of Young's pyramid, and now, 60 days on, it finds itself $12 billion adrift at the bottom of the top tier, thanks to the London Stock Exchange's stock bouncing from its post-first Refinitiv shock lows. A bit below forty seven billion dollars, that's the Coinbase valuation on a non diluted basis, or at least it was on its sixty day birthday. The stock peaked at four hundred twenty nine fifty four and bottomed so far at two hundred eight dollars, closing out after two months at two hundred and twenty three dollars ninety two cents. That surely must be delivering some sleep issues for more than a few of the buyers who are clustered in the $300 bracket and even above, which looks a long, long way over the horizon. Unless, I suppose, Uncle Elon can better manipulate a new Bitcoin bubble. Amongst the clear legacies arising from the whole situation is one, Kraken appear to be delaying their IPO as a multiplicity of other cryptocurrency exchanges suddenly concern themselves about the viability of being loved on the legacy stock market. Indeed, I would remind parishioners of the op-ed I wrote for CapEx, published on the day Coinbase completed its direct public offering. Is Coinbase the future or a digital South Sea bubble? The predictions therein are not looking too shabby as predictions go. But I have to say the words of Mad Magazine editor Philander Chase Johnson spring to mind. Cheer up, the worst is yet to come. Over in the UK Parliament, lawmakers have been urging in a report, go boldly to cut red tape after Brexit. On a big world level, the continued closure of the United Kingdom at the whim of a persistently inaccurate blob of statisticians is a worry. However, there are signs that despite a de facto socialist approach from the Prime Minister and Finance Minister, the free marketeers are fighting their corner when it comes to two key areas. The first is trade, where the UK has an outline agreement on trade with Australia, which it signed this week. That's significant because it's the first all-new agreement and opens to similar deals with New Zealand and potentially the United States of America. Plus the golden possibility membership of the Pan Pacific Trade Area (CP TPP). Secondly, it ought to start having an impact on financial services in due course, especially if the UK gets that vaunted TPP membership. Third, this agreement shows the weak notion of the European Union's model of demanding the ceding of national governance rights in exchange for trading, matching sovereignty with trade may be good for despots. But when it comes to economic growth, it's like asking goldfish to choose their preferred bicycle. Closer still to the parish of exchanges, the remaining free marketeers in the Bojo government are pushing against the waitrose protectionists, as they've been called. Those, it has to be said, who are often authoritarian in their Covid control freakery. Thus, we had a report this week excoriating the useless precautionary principle, which lies at the heart of the European Union's ongoing policy of deliberately reducing its own citizens' prosperity. The sooner and the more, the greater of the ditching of this ghastly precept, the better it will be for any financial market and all citizens within that nation. The UK moving first and pushing against the ghastly drivel of MIFID 2 with renewed vigour is vital to secure a better financial future for us all. And a hearty happy birthday, 21 years old to the Hong Kong Exchanges Group. They were celebrating this week and they were also trailblazing. Hong Kong Exchanges wants to end all male boardrooms in a gender diversity ESG shake-up. On the verge of celebrating their 21 years as a for-profit entity, Hong Kong exchanges had raked in 19.19 billion Hong Kong dollars. That's about 2.47 billion US dollars last year. That's up significantly some seven-fold growth in two decades from the 2.31 billion Hong Kong dollars that it had achieved in 2000 AD. Of course, when it comes to the ESG issue, Hong Kong, after all, has the model tiger chairman who shows the excellence of women in the boardroom. Good news for coherent diversity, promoted by Laura Cha. Then again, I'm not minded to agree with mandatory policies, but Hong Kong is so far behind the curve in terms of its diversity strategy that mandating a single woman director is anyway just the barest of starts, and thus it's good to see Hong Kong exchanges pushing this. Then again, given the alpha generated by HKEX Group chairman Laura Cha, it's a shock other companies in the usually investor-savvy Hong Kong aren't already rushing to follow suit. It's amazing at the same time to think that the actual unified Hong Kong exchanges is a week younger than the gambling prediction market, Betfair. But of course, the Hong Kong exchanges have a much more storied past, albeit with a slight story in reverse they became a stock exchange monopoly in Hong Kong, where before, various forces had flourished. Congratulations to Hong Kong Exchanges on their 21st birthday, a remarkable history of achievement that already exists in the group's timeline. Speaking of 21 years of remarkable achievement, that brings us, of course, to wishing a very happy birthday to Betfair, the pioneering exchange which changed the face of gambling and introduced coherent risk transfer into a lot of sports trading. They launched on June 9, 2000 AD. One has to say in a tiny footnote, PLY mentioned the rise of sports prediction exchanges in an earlier World Wide Web publication to Exchange Invest several years previously. I applaud the excellent work of all of the founders of Betfair in achieving such a remarkably successful franchise. Meanwhile, good news, the London Metal Exchange's ring will return, but nobody's quite sure how long it might last. The London Metals Exchange CEO, Matthew Chamberlain, is hoping that ring dealers will adapt to a hybrid pricing system. Therefore, the possibility that ultimately the ring could close is still very, very much an extant threat. And I quote Reuters saying this week, The exchange proposes a new rule that would allow it unilaterally to move the official price discovery session from ring to screen in the event that the number of ring-dealing members falls below 6 or their share of volumes falls below 75%. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly. We welcome your feedback. You can contact me directly, patrick at derivativesvision.com, with any comments. Meanwhile, if you enjoyed this show, we would welcome you giving us a thumbs up. Or if you have time, a positive review will always be welcome, wherever you find this podcast. In new markets this week, a new market for SMEs has launched in New Zealand. Catalyst opens to the public, it will officially launch for trade on June the 21st, aiming to fill a huge gap for smaller companies that want to raise up to 20 million dollars a year from the public. In deals this week, no sooner had it been mentioned that it might be happening than broker Marek Spectron, their leading exchange-traded derivatives broker amongst other products, they cancelled the idea of their London listing having at one stage thought about seeking a main market position on the London Stock Exchange with a valuation in the region of 650 to 800 million US dollars. Elsewhere in deal news, Accenture will oversee the merger integration between S&P and IHS market. If you're looking for some reading, of course, ladies and gentlemen, whether you're still locked down, whether you're in the amber zone, the green zone, the red zone, maybe you can even actually manage to travel and read a book while you go. Don't forget to pick up a copy of my latest tome, Victory or Death, Blockchain, Cryptocurrency and the Fintech World. An easy read, explaining the differing and diverging roles of banks exchanges, explaining the winning models of the new world order, and placing in perspective just what Bitcoin, blockchain and cryptocurrency mean for markets. Victory or Death is published by DV Books and is distributed by Ingram Worldwide. Also, we've had a fantastic fortnight on the... IPO live stream Last week we had David Weald the fourth. He was following Kenny Polkari. Kenny Polkari talking about stories from the New York Stock Exchange floor. David Weald was the man who is really the godfather of crowdfunding in the United States of America. He was talking all about the crowd and future ways to fund the democratic success of the Western nations and beyond. Coming this Tuesday, 7 pm European time, 6 pm London. One o'clock in New York time, we have none other than the fantastic crypto dad himself, the former chairman of the CFTC, the Honourable Christopher Giancarlo. Catch all the back issues of IPO vid online at YouTube, IPO-vid you can search for. And of course, this will be live every Tuesday, as it always is, with Christopher Giancarlo on Tuesday on Facebook, LinkedIn and YouTube. Cryptoland this week, very interesting expose by the Financial Times. Tether, which is of course one of those many currencies that have tied themselves to fiat money, in this case the US dollar. Tether's commercial paper disclosure places it amongst the global giants, according to the Brussels Bugle, none other than the Financial Times. Disclosures from cryptocurrency provider Tether suggest it has become one of the world's largest investors in the US commercial paper market, rubbing shoulders with the likes of fund managers Vanguard and BlackRock and dwarfing the investments of tech giants like Google and Apple, according to estimates from JP Morgan. Very interesting, possibly revealing read. Will we hear more about this in the future? I wonder. Product news this week, SIBO, they're going to expand the global trading hours for their VIX and SPX options to nearly 24 hours a day, beginning from the 21st of November this year, 2021. Elsewhere, give SPACs a chance, cry the experts, as they urge more listing reforms in the Hong Kong exchanges marketplace. Elsewhere, sadly, there has been an outcry all about the CME group, but not actually in the CME group. This is civil society protesting the creation of NASDAQ Vela's California Water Price Index Futures last December on the CME. The most disappointing issue here, well, let's put it this way, at least CME is consistent in failing to actually defend free markets once again. This is a big and growing issue. We need to be out there preaching the message of why water will be better quality, better priced and ultimately cheaper for all, thanks to liquidity, accessibility and transparency. It's a tragedy. The CME is not doing this when it's its own product. Elsewhere, for those who are wondering what they might be smoking in the near future, we are not encouraging drugs use anywhere in the world, but the small exchange have continued to innovate and they've got Cannabis Equity Index Futures now available. In technology, the Ho Chi Minh Stock Exchange, it's testing the South Korean IT system, which will finally, in a COVID-delayed move, be replacing their pre-existing exchange technology, which, of course, as we know, has been suffering huge technical outages in recent times. Over in Brazil, B3 were working their way through a glitch which affected last Thursday's trades and transactions, something in the integration between the trading and clearing platforms. There's only one daily news source for the business of bourses, Exchange Invest, the exchange of information. Exchange Invest publishes the daily digest of everything in the market structure industry around the world in a user-friendly email briefing format from Monday to Friday. With additional pith by former Exchange CEO and long-standing fintech pioneer Patrick L. Young, yes, that's me, Exchange Invest is the unique one-stop shop for the daily news in markets, market operators and related functions. Exchange Invest is available to subscribers at 200 US dollars per user per year or currency equivalent. You can get more details at exchangeinvest.com or email me patrick at derivativesvision.com. Over in regulation, Britain has urged the EU to expedite financial services talks. Hmm. Given the unmitigated hostile negativity of the European Union towards the UK in this Brexit world. I think this request amounts to, well, a spot of diplomatic trolling towards protectionist Brussels. Good thing too, the European Union needs to be kept under pressure, lest it seize common sense and abandons its usage of the Belgian Empire playbook as it seeks to not only punish the UK for Brexit, but even forcibly break up the European Union itself. In a more cheering piece of news from Brussels, we move to Career Paths. Euroclear have appointed city veteran Francesco Vanni d'Archeraffi as chairman of the Euroclear boards. That's subject to shareholder approval at the company's general meeting of shareholders on July 1st. Meanwhile, the European Central Bank is urging Deutsche Bank to find a successor to their outgoing chairman. The interesting thing is that it seems to be one DB might be poaching from another DB. Deutsche Bank may still be looking at employing The DB1, that's Deutsche Börse, in the centre of our parish, CEO Theodor Weimer. Then again, given his track record at Deutsche Börse, I can honestly say I have no idea why Theodor Weimer is so eagerly sought by anyone to be their chairman, unless the key CV criteria for Deutsche Bank is, comes from Frankfurt and is breathing. Somebody who's certainly breathing through those capacious lungs of his is none other than Spyros Kapralos. He's been elected the European Olympic Committee's president. Congratulations to Spyros a long-standing Olympian turned high-quality International Olympic Committee official who was an excellent Federation of European Securities Exchanges, that's phase eight, chairman from 2008 to 10, while he was, of course, a successful CEO of the Athens Exchange from 2004 to 2010. Finally this week, a little bit of a flux in the world of cryptocurrency. Wei Zhu, the chief financial officer at Binance, has left the company somewhat abruptly, it seems. And thus we come to the Bitcoin story of the week. El Salvador have recognised Bitcoin as legal tender. Most of El Salvador's legislators voted to accept Bitcoin as legal tender. Meanwhile, the Bank for International Settlements... The Banker's Bank was swift to pour scorn on the concept of Bitcoin as the legal tender of anywhere, even a South American nation with an ongoing fiat currency problem. And on that mysterious and magnificent note, ladies and gentlemen, this has been episode 99 of the Exchange Invest Weekly Podcast with myself, Patrick L. Young. Catch up with us during the course of the week at the Exchange Invest Newsletter. And it only remains for me to say, I hope you have a great week in life and markets. This show relates to the business of bourses.